Hello everyone and welcome to our time together in the Word of God. Today I felt the Lord lay on my heart um, a burden that we seek the Lord together in the Word for a reformation in our homes. That God would move by His Spirit in our families and that we would know a work of God in each of our homes that the Lord would touch our families, our marriages, our children, that we would walk with Him. And if we live by ourselves in a home, that we may know the presence of God in that home also. So I wonder if you turn with me to the book of Joshua, please, in chapter 24. The book of Joshua, chapter 24, and I'm going to be reading from verse... 14, verse 14 of Joshua chapter 24, Joshua's last address before he goes to be with the Lord. What a wonderful portion of scripture this is. Just reading through the whole chapter is such a blessing. But we'll, we'll take it from verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Shall we have a word of prayer together? Dear Lord, we want to thank you for the reality of your word. We want to thank you for the fact that it is truth. And we ask that, Lord, you would speak your word into our hearts today, that you would convey the burden on your heart to us, that we may know what the Spirit is saying to each one of us. Dear Lord, do not pass us by we need your enabling. We need your spirit. We need your grace. We need your help. We need your aid in everything, Lord. Furnish us with everything necessary for us to be able to hear what you are saying. Grant us the anointing of your spirit for the speaking of your word and for the hearing of it, we pray. And Lord, we pray as we hear your word. When you speak to us, O oh God, we pray that that word would be mixed with faith and that you would get the response from us that you are after, we ask. We ask all these things, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this final address that Joshua gives to the people of Israel is just wonderful. And uh, he starts this particular passage of Scripture that we uh, began reading from in verse 14 by saying to them, the Israelites, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, 
Notice that Joshua calls the people of God to fear the Lord. He's calling them to make sure that they reverence the God of heaven. And this is so important for us in the context of what we're speaking of today. Because we won't change. Our homes won't be any different. Our lives won't be conformed to the purposes of God in the home, to the image of Christ, if there's no fear of God in our lives. Because there is such an opposition to the ways and the word of God in our day, to fight against it requires some courage. And to have that courage, one must have the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is wonderful because it removes every other kind of fear. You know, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, friends. Even in the midst of opposition, we can know a confidence that is from the Lord. Not a form of bravado, as it were, but true confidence in God. If we fear him and the fear of the Lord is to depart from sin, it's to remove ourselves from what isn't of God and focus ourselves on what is of God. And uh, we need to be uh, totally different, don't we, in the way we live from the culture round about us. We need to make sure as the Lord's people that our standards come from the word of God and not simply from the society that we live in. And Joshua is encouraging the people of God before he goes to be with the Lord. Fear him. Fear the Lord. And uh, how important it is for us as the people of God to hear this in our day. Because even within the church difference, it seems to me there is not the fear of God that there should be. And uh, we need to make sure that we don't just uh, continue in the spirit of this age. We need to fear God and uh, seek him diligently. And you know, if we really fear the Lord, we will take him seriously. We will take his word seriously. We will take seriously the importance of turning from sin and turning to do what God requires us to do. The evidence that we fear the Lord is not so much that we believe in the doctrine of the fear of the Lord, but by fact that we are living the way God intends us to live according to his word. The evidence is in whether or not I'm doing what God has commanded me in his word. If I'm following diligently the word of God and the commandments of God as laid out in his word, I'm showing that there's a measure of the fear of the Lord in my life. Oh, friends, how we need, as the people of God, to fear him, because he alone is God. He alone is worthy. He alone is to be reverenced and praised. So Joshua says to the people of God, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Now, the word sincerity here means to serve the Lord perfectly. It speaks of being complete. It speaks of being entire. And it speaks also of integrity. The Lord wants us, dear brothers and sisters, to uh, fear him and follow him, serve him with all our hearts. He wants us to have, as it were, a perfect heart before him. Now, that doesn't mean that we are going to be perfect in our lives. But God wants us in our hearts to aspire to that. And he wants to have every area of our beings. That all our heart is given over to him. 
Do you remember what the word of God says in the book of Proverbs? My son, give me your heart. The Lord wants us lock, stock and barrel. He wants every area of our being. And he wants to fill every area of our being. And he wants to fill our homes with his ways and his word and his purposes, dear friends. So I want to encourage us. Let's seek to serve the Lord with all our hearts. By the power of his spirit, it is possible, thank God. And this is what is meant here by sincerity. You see, if I have a divided heart, and yet I'm saying, Lord, you're everything to me, that is a form of hypocrisy, isn't it? I can't say the Lord is everything to me if I've reserved a part of my heart over to any area of idolatry. The Lord wants to have us all. And you and I will find really no happiness in our Christian lives if we have divided hearts. If we're constantly limping between two opinions, whether we're going to serve the Lord or whether we're going to serve some other foreign God. Oh, brothers and sisters, may the Lord give us such a zeal for himself, a desire that he is everything to us. And uh, this is what's meant here by sincerity. But Joshua also goes on to exhort the people of God to serve him, the Lord that is, in sincerity and in truth. And the word truth here speaks of stability. It speaks of uh, faithfulness and certainty, continuance, reliability. The Lord wants us to go on serving him with all our hearts. The, in, we serve him in truth, not just for a while and then serve other gods and then come back to him and then go away from him. No, the Lord wants us to be single-hearted. May the Lord deal with our hearts. May we know deliverance from duplicity of heart. May we know deliverance from fear of man and what others may think of us. May we know the fear of God in our hearts. May we know that sincerity of heart. May we know truth in our hearts, continuity in serving the Lord and being the children of God in our homes. Being those who follow the Lord all the day. May the Lord grant us such a heart. Thank God it's possible by the power of His Spirit. And then uh, Joshua goes on to say to the people of Israel to put away the gods which your father served on, the, served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He speaks about the other gods, the false gods um, of former times back in Joshua 24 and verse 2. And we read that he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old times, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. And you know, dear friends, the Lord wants to deliver us, or wants us rather to separate ourselves from any form of idolatry. You know what idolatry it is when something has got your heart, and it is more important to you than the Lord. In your heart. It's got a hold of your heart. Now there's things the Lord gives us all things richly to enjoy. But if those things begin to become too important to us, we're in danger of, of them becoming idols. If we give our time to other things rather than the things of God, 
There's a, such a danger in, with idolatry, it almost creeps in gradually. Particularly in these days where we're not simply speaking about idols we, we bow down to, as it were, carved of wood and different materials, but we're speaking of other things that can creep in, almost unawares, they begin to take over our love for the Lord. And we must be careful to guard our hearts with all diligence, as it says in the book of Proverbs, for out of the heart uh, springs the issues of life. So we need to guard our hearts from any form of idolatry, dear friends, and that's what's mentioned here. And then in verse 15, just moving on a bit, Joshua says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose, this, choose you this day whom you will serve. So he's actually given them a choice. Now, choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the Amorites? Are you going to serve false gods? Or are you going to serve the Lord? Then he says to them, concerning himself, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's almost as though Joshua is saying, whatever you do, even if all of you, as it were, go and serve other gods, I and my house are going to serve the Lord, come what may. And you know, dear friends, that's such a good attitude to adopt, isn't it? No matter what other people are doing around you, even those of the household of God, no matter what others are seemingly doing about you, set it in, settle it in your heart. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That should be our attitude, shouldn't it, dear friends? That the Lord is first, and there may be everybody around about us may turn away, but may it be that we stand and we truly follow the Lord in our lives and in our homes. And notice, this is what Joshua says. He doesn't just say, as for me, I am going to serve the Lord. He says, as for me and my household, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So what does serving the Lord in the household see, look like? How should we serve the Lord? Well, dear friends, in the household, in our homes, if we have young children, um, there should be, dear friends, a sense in which the Word of God is central to our everyday lives. That it's not just that we meet, as it were, on Sunday at a church, and our children go to Sunday school, and that's their little bit of Christianity for the week and then we're back into just routine life and work. No, no, no. The Word of God should be central in all our homes. If we are the people of God, if we're going to serve the Lord, if our households are going to be those that are marked out um, for the purposes of God, the Word of God needs to be central in our lives. Now, if you turn back with me to the book of Deuteronomy, we see this is what the Lord prescribed for his own people in their own homes. If you turn back with me to Deuteronomy and chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that, that, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Well, there we have a passage of scripture where Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, as from the Lord. And he says to them that they need to follow the commands that he has given him. That they should follow the Lord with all their hearts and their souls and their might. And then he goes on to say, verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Now the word diligently here means to sharpen. You know, we need to teach the word of God clearly. Bring it to our children, that they may hear what the Lord is saying in the Word of God. And notice that they were to speak of the Word of God to the children when they, when they sat down in their houses, and when they walked by the way, when they lied down, and when they rose up again. Now, that is basically speaking of the whole life, isn't it? You know, when we're with our children in the home, do we talk with them about the Word of God? You know, brothers and sisters, consider the onslaught on our children today. So many of our children, who they will go to school and they hear things these days that is teaching contrary to what the Word of God teaches. And there is an onslaught, really. To capture our children's hearts, to believe things that are contrary to the Word of God. It's demonic, really. Some of the things that they're going to be taught concerning morality and other things, there is an attempt of the enemy to use these particular teachings that come through the school to turn the hearts of the children away from God. Make no mistake about it. That in, in, in many years gone by, the Word of God would have been taught in our schools, but that is no longer the case. And so where are our children going to hear the Word of God? They're going to hear it, God willing, on a Sunday morning, but that's clearly not enough. We need to be speaking the Word of God into their lives from when they're young in our homes. And something of the reformation we need within some of our homes, dear friends, is for us to begin to open the Word of God and teach our children every day the things of God. You know, this, I think, is a particular onus upon fathers 
that as fathers, our children need to see that we're serious about the word of God and the ways of God and that we sit the family down and that we talk of the things of God together as a family. You know, it's so important that we do this, dear friends. We mustn't just let time go by. And so often, you know, um, we just allow days to go by. I speak for myself. If we're not careful, we can lose a day, a few days, a week, and we haven't really taught our children in the ways of God. But look at what the Lord required of the children of Israel, that they teach the word of God diligently to their children. Friends, let me ask you, how diligent are we in teaching the word of God to our young people, to our children? You know, the word of God says in the book of Proverbs, book of Proverbs, chapter 22, book of Proverbs, chapter 22, and verse 6, this word, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're to train them up, train them to to grow up to be men and women of God. Now I know, dear brothers and sisters, that we are not ultimately in control of whether our children will choose to follow the Lord or not. But when they're young, whilst they're young, let's get the word into them. You know, this is the start, dear friends, of what could be in the future. Because we're all in our houses, we're in our homes much more now because we can't go to work and uh, we have this lockdown. What opportunity are we making of this to see a reformation in our homes and begin to teach our children the ways of God? You know, I'm not saying this to condemn any of us, but to encourage us, to stir our hearts, to say, no, I'm not going to allow my child just to be taken off with the beliefs of this world. I'm not going to allow my child on my watch just to go astray and go the ways of the world. I'm not going to just allow godless things into the home because I just want an easy life. No, on my watch, my child, I'm going to bring him or bring her up in the ways of God and the world will cry against me, but I believe the word of God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That should be our heart, friends. And I want to stir you up, some of you parents, to begin to fight for your children, to begin to bring the word of God to them, to not fear to do so. Fear God and the fear of man will be taken out of your heart. Let them hear what the scriptures say. Let them be taught of God through your life and through my life. Oh friends, let us seek to know what it is to teach them diligently and not be apologetic for doing so. Let's talk when we're sitting in the home. Let's talk when we're walking outside of the the things of God. Let's talk when we rise up in the morning. Oh, imagine what our homes would be like. If our children's minds were filled with the word of God, they're going to have opposition in the future. There'll be things that they face that we never faced us adults, when we were uh, their age. But brothers and sisters, that's why it's all the more important for us to be diligent over this matter and to seek there to be a move of God in our own homes. You know, we want revival, don't we? 
We want to see a work of God in our nation. We want to see a reformation in the church. I spoke about that last week. We want to see all these things. This is good. This is, this is absolutely vital, dear brothers and sisters. But we must begin in the home. We must begin where we are. We must begin to seek to see our children brought up in the ways of God and in the word of God. You see, dear friends, if I want there to be a move of God in the nation, and I'm crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you bring a move of God in the nation? But I'm not opening the scriptures. I'm not teaching my children to meditate on the word of God for themselves. And in the home, it's as though our children are just void of any kind of um, continual study of the word of God. Why should the Lord answer my prayer for the nation? Why should God answer my prayer that there might be a revival in the church? Wouldn't the Lord be right to say what well, is praying to me for a move of God in the church, but he's not teaching his own children the scriptures? I think the Lord would have every right to say that. It would make my prayer ineffective, wouldn't it? To be crying to God for revival and my home is void of teaching my children the word of God. And I want to encourage some of you men, some of you fathers. Now, come on. <laughs> Let's really seek to um, move in this area, to, to, to rise up. I think so often with us men, we can be slow to be diligent in teaching our children. So often we just want an easy life, or we've had a hard day at work, and we just don't want to think about talking to our children about the Lord, or whatever it may be. But let's get away from that. God can strengthen us. This is the wonderful thing, dear friends. If we're filled with the Spirit, we will want to speak about the things of God to our children. And really the problem so often is that we're not wholehearted towards the Lord. We need what Joshua is talking about. That kind of heart that serves the Lord in sincerity and truth. That wholeheartedness to, to do the will of God. And oh, don't we want to bring up at least a generation of those who are under godly parents. We want them to be brought up in the things of God. We want them to grow up to be men and women of God in their generation. We want to raise up a generation that knows the word of God. A people that will stand in the last days. A people that will be able to fight, spiritually speaking, against enemies. But if we don't teach them. The ways of God and the way of prayer. Brothers and sisters, what hope is there for them? Well, God is able to meet with them. God is able to touch their heart. No question of that. But what I'm saying is this. To be brought up in a home where parents are saying they're Christians and yet we never get the word of God out. Something's wrong, isn't it, friends? Something's wrong. Now, some of you may say to me, well, you're speaking about these things, but it's too late for me. My children have grown up. It's no good now, and I really wish I had brought the Word of God to them, and I just feel in a place of uh, defeat. Uh, my children aren't walking with the Lord and so forth. Friends, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. You say there's nothing you can do now, but think of this, dear friend. Your son, your daughter, you can pray to God for their souls and continue to plead with God. And, 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 you know, the Lord is able to do great things. He can do great works of restoration. Even when we've made mistakes, is God not able to turn things around? 
and the way that the household or if you like the family can be transformed is if we as the people of God begin to set our face to seek God that he would meet with the children you know God is a God who is able to go out and get that lost sheep and bring that sheep right back into the fold He's able to bring that prodigal back. Your son, your daughter, you've tried with all your might for them to walk with God and you've gone their own way. Brothers and sisters, remember, there is a God in heaven. Pray to him that God will meet with your son, with your daughter. And maybe it's you feel that you just did things wrong. You messed up. You didn't teach them the word of God. Well, friends, let's pray that the Lord will bring them back. And that there be opportunity in the future for you both as adults to talk together of the things of God. God is able to do that, friends. He's done it for many. He can do it in your situation as well. But for those of us who have younger children, the call of God is upon our lives to teach them diligently the word of God. You know, it's amazing how highly the Lord speaks of this matter of... um, bringing up our children in the ways of God. When you go on in the book of Deuteronomy, you get to chapter 11 and you find, again, there is this repeating of the fact that the people of Israel were to bring the children up in the ways of God. And we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we'll read from verse 16. Take heed to yourselves... That your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore ye shall lay up these these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them as the day of heaven upon the earth. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. See the tremendous blessing there is in going the way of the Lord. What blessing there is for us, brothers and sisters. If we do the will of God, we come into more with him. And if we teach our children the ways of God, there'll be blessing in that. There'll be blessing seeing them come up in the things of God. Oh, isn't this the desire of your heart? Isn't this the desire of my heart? Then let us seek to spend time with them, teaching them the counsel of God, the scriptures together. So important. So there's a number of occasions we could look at another place in Deuteronomy where the Lord encourages his people through his servant to teach the word of God to the children. Um, But also I want to share with you something that the Lord says concerning Abraham and the way he handled his household. Now this should encourage your hearts, friends, because 
we often, this is an area in our Christian lives that we can often overlook the importance of bringing up our children in the Word of God and being led by the Spirit of God. But this is so important to God, it's repeated time and time again in the Scriptures. But I want to share with you something that the Lord said to Abraham, which is significant concerning his household and the way he brought his family up. And uh, let's read uh, Genesis chapter 18. And uh, let's read from verse 14. I'm going to cut into this story of when Sarah laughed about what the Lord said concerning her having a child. And we read from verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from thence, and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken to him. Did you pick that up? The Lord saying, shall I hide my secret counsel, as it were, from Abraham? In other words, shall I not disclose to Abraham what I'm about to do? And he goes on to say that the Lord knows him and that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord. He knows that Abraham will command his children. He knows that he'll bring his children up in the ways of the Lord. See how highly the Lord places this matter of um, commanding our children in the ways of God. He's going to show Abraham things because he knows, amongst other things, that Abraham will teach his children in the ways of God. Now, brothers and sisters, this should encourage our hearts. There's blessing in teaching our children, in commanding them in the things of God. There's blessing in, in showing them the ways of the Lord. It's as though as we bless them with God's word, the Lord will bless us with his word. The Lord will open the word of God to us. He'll show us things. He will open the scriptures to us as we are obedient to him concerning our children. This is certainly the principle that comes out here when the Lord is speaking about Abraham. And the Lord's going to reveal things to Abraham. And as a result of him revealing what he's going to do, Abraham gets into a prayer with God concerning um, the matter of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, the Lord, and Abraham pleads with God concerning, if, uh, if there's so many people righteous, will you yet destroy the city? Abraham pleads with God. And there is a preservation of Abraham's nephew Lot as a result of Abraham pleading with God and the angels go in to Sodom and you remember just to cut the story short for the sake of time but eventually they get hold of Lot 
and his wife, and they take them, they cause them to flee from Sodom, and they go up and they run from Sodom, and then there's destruction on Sodom. But that man was spared because Abraham prayed to God, and God heard Abraham's prayer, but the Lord disclosed to Abraham what he was about to do concerning Sodom in order that he would pray. But why did the Lord disclose these things to Abraham? Because Abraham was a righteous man. And because he would be one who would command his children in the things of God. What an incredible fact this is, dear friends. What an incredible fact. And it's something for us to sincerely consider. You know, it's the fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much with God. It's that prayer of those who really want to do things God's way that God hears. So often we think, if I pray really well, the Lord will hear me. Or if I sound eloquent in prayer, the Lord will hear me. No, not necessarily so. The key is, when a person is praying to God, the Lord looks at the person. And really, why should the Lord help me or lead me into prayer, for example, concerning a family member, if I'm not somebody who bothers to teach my children the ways of God? You see so much concerning our fellowship and our praying with God has to do, or the effectiveness thereof has to do, with whether or not we're living their lives. And that's why it, the home life is so important, friends. We need revival in the home. That's where we need revival to begin, isn't it? That God would get hold of our hearts and that we wouldn't just let our children go into spurious things. You know, I cannot understand, if you will forgive me for saying this, but I cannot understand why Christian parents would quite happily let their children watch or, or, or read books like Harry Potter, you know, which has basically got so much witchcraft in it. Why would you do that? Why would you be happy for that? And so often the case is because we, we, we want an easy life, isn't it? If we're really honest. We're happy for them to go and read or watch things that are spurious, that are, that are dangerous to them. Because we don't want to have to face the backlash of having to confront our children and them being opposed to us and difficulty and all the rest of it. So often this is the problem, friends. But the Lord wants us to be like Abraham. Those who would be diligent in bringing up their children in the ways of God. Now, let's take the other end of the scale, as it were. We've talked about Abraham as a person who would bring his bring um, his children up in the ways of the Lord. But what about a man who didn't? Think of Eli. Eli ministered as priest in the temple, and both his sons were priests. But the word of God shows us concerning his sons in 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Bilal, they knew not the Lord. And then we go on to read how they, uh, they, they abused the sacrifices of the Lord. And how they um, were wicked within the house of God. It's terrible the sort of things that they got up to. 
Um, and a little later on in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, it says of Eli, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel, and how they lay with the, with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such, why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sins against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. Now, one would have thought, Eli, having spoken to his sons like this, showed that Eli was not happy with what was going on in the house of God. But the fact is, the Lord was still going to judge Eli because he was complicit, in a sense, in what was going on. We go on to read in verse 28 that actually a, the Lord sends a man of God to Eli to bring a word of prophecy to him. And this is what he says in verse 28. Let's read from verse 27 rather. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering? which I have commanded in my habitation, and honourest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honour me I will honour, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. Now notice that the prophet, or the, the man of God, is speaking to Eli. And he's speaking to Eli concerning his sons. But in it, he says to Eli about making yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. You know, it's as though, although Eli didn't approve of what his sons were up to, because it was lucrative, and because it was possible that he took something of the best of that offering that his sons took, which they shouldn't have done, that Eli continued to let them to function. You know, Matthew Henry was a great uh, man of God, one of the last of the Puritans of that era. And he said concerning Eli that Eli shunned trouble and exertion. And I think that's a very perceptive thing to say. He, he shunned trouble and exertion. In other words, it would have been troublesome for him to have to deal with his sons. It would have been difficult. It would have been hard. It would have meant putting them aside 
from what they were doing. It would have meant effort. It would have meant difficulty. And as a result of something of that, because it would have required real effort, exertion and trouble on Eli's part, it's almost as though he just let the thing go on. And you know, on a lesser level perhaps, we may be in the homes, particularly as fathers, and we just want to have an easy life. So we let things that we're not particularly happy with just slip through into the house. Things that we know in our conscience, in our hearts, are not right. But because we don't want trouble in the home, and we don't want to have to exert ourselves to have to push through, as it were, unto the house being given over to God, we just let a little bit of compromise in. The thing is, if we let a little bit in, it'll lead to a bit more, and it'll lead to a bit more, and it leads to a bit more, until finally that compromise is spread through other areas of the home. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to be those, particularly as fathers within the house, those fathers, obviously, that know and love the Lord, we need to be those that are willing for the cost of of, of pushing back things out of the house that are not of God. Let's be those that seek to put things out by the grace of God and in true love, the things that are not of God that are currently in our houses, things that would give way to idolatry and evil, things that are genuinely spurious. May the Lord deliver us from allowing these things in our home and give us the grace by His Spirit to, 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 to be strengthened in Him, to be able to come against what isn't of God. Now, this is where we need the Lord, dear friends, isn't it? Because, you know, if we're going to know a reformation in the home, if we're going to know reviving in the home, we need the strength of the Lord to be able to come through with God. If our children are going to obey what we say, if we're going to be able to truly teach them the way of God, if our um, relationships between husbands and wives are going to be right, we need to know the enabling of God. And you know, it's very interesting, when you look at the book of Ephesians, and you read particularly in Ephesians chapter 5, you read about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say about being filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says, And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And it's after this call to be filled with the Spirit, just a number of verses later, we get to chapter 6, and we hear or read about how the home life should function, how children should obey their parents and honour the father and mother, how fathers shouldn't provoke their children, and so forth. It's all in there. In this particular passage, it talks about servants and, and just basically the way the household is to function. But what I'm trying to say is this. If we're going to come into the way the house should function, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And the great news is, dear friends, we can be. God can help us. God can aid us. He can enable us to know what it is to be filled with the Spirit in order to do the will of God. He doesn't expect us to obey His commandments out of our own effort, as it were, but by means of the strengthening of His Spirit. As we lay hold of Him, He will enable us to stand. He will enable us to uh, uh, press through with Him until our homes are more conformed to the things that are pleasing to God. 
And uh, the Lord will show us by His Spirit those things that are fine for us to have in the home and those which are not. We're not talking about legalism of itself, but we are talking about just being available to the Lord to show us, to shine His light on anything in our lives that isn't of Him. Now, some of you may say this, well, I've got an ungodly husband. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a wife and a, I'm seeking to bring my children up in the ways of God, but my husband isn't the Lord's. What can I do? And you're in a particularly difficult situation there. It's not easy. You've got the light of the Lord in your life, but there's also darkness in the house as well. Oh, dear friends, the Lord knows all these things. And I would say within that specific situation that... As a wife, you want to win your husband over by allowing the attitude of the Lord Jesus to shine through your life. And uh, the Lord will give you wisdom in how to teach your children the things of God. Just look to the Lord, but be at peace in your heart. Realize the importance of praying for your husband, that he comes right through with you. Or husbands, you might have an unbelieving wife. It's difficult in these situations, but still nonetheless, let us seek by the grace of God to teach our children the word of God and to encourage our wives to begin to think about the things of God, but to pray for them. Pray for your spouse who doesn't know the Lord. Call on God. God is able. He's, he's the only one who can save their soul. Listen, he's the one who saved you. If he saved you, he can save them. Do not be discouraged. Realize it's the spirit of God that can energize you in prayer until you come through with the Lord over things and uh, give the Lord no rest until your husband, your wife, comes right through to the Lord. He can do it. Don't be discouraged. There's a fight on in the home when there's light and darkness in the same home. There's a fight on. And we can't just clear out um, the things of our husbands or the things of our wives uh, just in a kind of... Uh, in the same way that we can do things if both husband and wife are walking with the Lord. But the question is, we need wisdom from God. How do I deal with this? Lord, bring my husband through, bring my wife through, until there's just light in the whole house. God can do it. He's in the business of saving households. He's the one that designed the family. He's the one that's made us into living in families. And one of the reasons, dear friends, why there's such instability in society is because of the breakup of the family unit. This is what the, 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 the family unit is what God has prescribed in his word. Man and woman, married and having children. That's what God has prescribed in his word. And we cut against it and there's all kinds of confusion. And there's a real attack on Christian marriages and Christian families. That's why we need to fight. We need to fight, dear friends. And again, I just want to encourage the husbands. Fight for your family. You know, I was thinking of uh, the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4. I wonder if you turn there with me for a moment. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse uh, 14. When they're building the wall um, around Jerusalem. And there's opposition. There always is. Um, and... Uh, you know, when the opposition is there, Nehemiah calls to the people and he says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, unto the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. Notice it ends by saying, fight for your houses. Husbands, your wife, 
your, your wife isn't walking with God. She doesn't know God. Fight for your house. Fight for your house. Wife, your husband isn't walking with God. Fight for your house. Husband and wife, you're both in the law, but your children aren't walking with God. Fight for your house. You say, how do we fight? By getting on our knees and pleading with God and realizing that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. That's the God that you worship. He's far above all the opposition, all the rebellion. He's able to bring conviction. He's able to melt the heart. He did it with you. He did it with me. It can be something from the word that breaks that hardness. Remember, the word of God is as a hammer. Oh, friends, God can do it. He's a mighty God. Don't give in. Don't be discouraged. I'm here to tell you today. Do not be discouraged about your situation in your home. God is able to deal with it. The Lord wants you to rise up, strengthen yourself in the Lord and get before God and ask him to deal with the enemy and ask him to deal with the heart and ask him to deal with the stronghold and the mind that has kept your husband or your wife in darkness, whatever it may be, your children. God is able. Let's fight for our houses, friends. Let's fight for our families. We live in in a day of such wickedness, but God is able. Let him strengthen your heart through this message to get on your knees again, my dear friends, and fight. Because God is able and he's he's a God of victory. He's our mighty saviour. Be encouraged. Be encouraged, dear friends. You know what we need to really call on God for is that we might know the presence of God once again in our homes. Is that not the case? You know, I think of the story of um, Obed-Edom. Do you remember in 2 Samuel and chapter 6, years before David, the Ark of the Covenant Before he was reigning, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken. And it was in David's heart to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to his, back to home, back to his, to the house of David, as it were, back to Jerusalem. And you know what happened? Well, let's read what happened. And David arose, chapter 6 and verse 2 of 2 Samuel, and went with all the people that were with him, from Baal of Judah, ba- sorry, Baali of Ju- Judah, to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. They brought the ark of the covenant on a new cart, which is the way that the enemies of Israel would have carried this ark of the covenant. And you know, it shouldn't have been done like this. The Lord prescribed in his word how the Ark of the Covenant was to be carried by means of poles and only the Levites were to carry the Ark of the Covenant by means of the poles. But the Ark um, is on this cart and the Ark stumbles and the Ark starts to fall and one of the servants puts his hand out, Azar puts his hand out to stop the Ark falling and the Lord smote him. Because he shouldn't have been uh, touching the ark. And the ark shouldn't have been carried that way. And the ark should have been carried by the Levites. And the whole situation was terrible. But then we find that before David could bring the ark back home, as it were, to the people of God, because of what happened, he was afraid. 
and they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the house of Obed-Edom. And we read in verse 11 of chapter 6 of 2 Samuel, And the Ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. All his household. The Ark of the Covenant in the Word of God speaks of the presence of God. And you know, if we know the presence of God in our homes, it will bring blessing. Because the presence of God is everything, friends. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore, the scriptures say. We want to know, as it were, the nearness of the Lord in our homes, don't we? As we're praying, sensing the presence of God coming in. And that's why we want things out of the house that, are, uh, uh, that the Lord would be against. So that he might come in and be in our homes. That the atmosphere might be godly. That the atmosphere might be pure. We need to pray that God's presence would be able to come in. That we'd sense his nearness. As it were, the Ark of the Covenant coming in amongst us. Knowing the presence of God in the home. Wonderful. This is what we need, isn't it? And that brings blessing. And, you know, oh, that we might know the nearness of the Lord. That he might sense he is welcome in our homes. That we might be revived. That we might be changed in order to know his presence with us. Oh, friends, may the Lord grant that to us. So we need, dear friends, a reviving. We need a reformation. We need a touch of God. I want to end by saying that even if you're single, you're not married, you haven't got children, God is wanting his presence to be with you. Let him fill everything. Let the house speak of the fact that the Lord is with you. Let there be nothing evil in the home. Allow your house to be filled with the praises of God. And husbands and wives, perhaps you haven't got children, be together in the home. Pray together. Get into the word of God together. This is so important. We're in this lockdown season. This is an opportunity for a change to begin that will continue after the lockdown is finished. That there's some routine worked in that isn't simply um, a matter of routine, but something that's living. God wants to work discipline into our lives where we pray together, we talk together, husbands and wives. And those of us who have children, dear friends, husbands and wives, consider how you talk to one another in front of your children. Do you know it's so important that our homes are filled with words that are kind, that are pure, that are loving. That husband and wife are not shouting at one another in front of the children. We're not shouting at each other anyway. But the Lord wants us to be those that have a home that is filled with him. Now we have this old nature. We know we're going to slip up. We know we're going to fall at times. We know things will not be easy all the time. But the fact remains that God is wanting our family lives to change. He's wanting our lives to be pleasing to him. And he's wanting to fill our homes with his presence. Oh, think of the blessing upon Obed-Edom and his household, knowing the Ark of the Covenant in the house. What blessing will be upon you and I if we pray and read the word together with our children, with our husbands, wives, and sing together and pray and, 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 and talk of the things of God together. The presence of God filling our house. 
filling our homes. We're in lockdown, but the Lord isn't locked down. The Lord is above all that's going on. And I believe he wants to use this opportunity for each one of our houses to begin to know a reformation. You know, in days gone past, when you look at the lives of the Puritans, for an example, dear friends, there was such an emphasis on family worship. There was such an importance placed that uh, husbands, that fathers should be leading the family in, in devotions and teaching of the scripture. This is, by and large, uh, gone aside and it needs to be recovered. It needs to be recovered. May we know a reformation in our family lives. May we know a recovery of true family worship. May we know a revival in our homes that spills out into every area of our lives, into our witness, into our times together when we meet together as the people of God. The Lord bless you and encourage you. And may it be, dear brothers and sisters, that from this message we might say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you richly. Thank you for watching. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that all that is of you would remain with us and anything that hasn't been of you would be removed from us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.